When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. So we're back for a fans Q&A special. We've had some questions coming on social media, on Twitter and our Facebook Lives that I've compiled. I think there's about 10 or 12 that we're going to go through. Um, myself, 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 James, Ash and Matt, uh, we'll try and handle these as best we can. First one's a pretty nice, easy one to get us started. What have you missed most about not being able to go to the stadiums this year? We've seen fans back 10,000 on Sunday against Chelsea. It's got me feeling like oh, very jealous of those that were there and reminiscing on what could have been the season and the things we've missed. So who wants to go first with uh, the thing they've missed most from Villa Park this season? Matt, you feel like you've got an answer brewing? I think it's just, and it's a bit of a cliche, but it's just that outlet, isn't it? It's just being able to have a good rant and a good, uh, a good sing-song and a good moan. Um, and a good laugh with with my lad, really. Uh, I was joking yesterday, saying, you know, I had to try and recreate. I did. I wasn't chosen in the ballot, so I had to recreate the the, the environment by charging myself five pounds to park on my own drive and and that kind of stuff. But I didn't think I'd be as jealous as yeah, I was um, yesterday. And it was just, I think it was the noise. It was just that, you know, it was just the absolute explosion of noise. And you thought, blimey. Crikey, I really want to be a part of that. Um, so I think it, I think it's that. I think it's just part of the collective. You know, we've all been stuck in our own homes, um, not been able to go to gigs, you know, comedy shows, theatre, or whatever. But more than that, we've not been able to go to to Villa, which is the you know the the cathedral of uh, of all our social lives, really. Um, so that yeah, just just missing missing having a having, having a sing song with me lad, I suppose. Uh, it's not the same in front of the telly. Because he's yeah. dead, buried in his phone, and you know, my wife will tell us to shut up if we get too too carried away about what's going on. Um, so yeah, just the the collective collective experience, really. It's like the routine as well, going like knowing that the match day I'm going to leave at this time and go out and see these people and go to this place and all share this share this experience together. Um, the only thing I, I could think of as a, as a more like honed in thing after Sundays is a goal celebration. Is what I've missed. I feel like I don't celebrate goals the same at home. Yeah. That'd be mental to jump around like you would at Villa Park in your in your bedroom or your living room or whatever. I also find that the way that I cover the games when I'm working is I'm watching it on on my laptop, so I'm usually behind anyway. So the amount of times this season I've had a notification on my phone that we've scored, and I've seen that before I've seen the goal go in, so I know it's coming. So I, I've missed like the natural like release of an emotion when you score a goal. I've not seen Villa score a goal in person since the Wembley semi uh, the Wembley final against Man City. Samantha's diving headers, the last goal I saw live, which is crazy. So that's what I missed, that that release of emotion and, and hearing that noise go up from 40,000 in, in euphoria together. A bit more of a wordy football-related question here. I'm going to read it out. It says, Dean Smith prided himself earlier in the season by using the same 11 in every game, saying that players weren't exhausted and Martin O'Neill used to do similar. There's consistent themes with February to April dip in form, COVID aside this season. As he gets more depth in the squad, do you think he'll change his views and rotate the squad better? I don't think he will. I don't think he likes to rotate too much. Uh, I know he has done this last couple of weeks bringing the Cambrian, but I think that's just down to Douglas Louise needing a, some respite. And 
he always says you've got to earn, earn your earn your shirts, and that's that's his mantra. Hence, he didn't really he didn't really change it up this season, has he? Um, he loves beginning there. He's got his favourites, and I think he'll be similar next season. I, I really do. Um, he always takes the positive, doesn't he? Even even, even if in a defeat, and um, I don't think Smith will change his spots too much. I think he'll go 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 with his strongest eleven again. He always says it. He says this season the strongest eleven is enough to give it. Any, any team in the division a game. So I can't see him changing too much um, other than the odd tweak now and again, but that's only players' form. If players are keep performing, they'll keep playing. His methods are tried and tried and t- trusted. And I know that we've said there's been missed opportunities this season, but bigger picture, kind of, I wouldn't say everything he's done has worked, but bigger picture, the progress that he's made with, with the, the way he's set up the team uh, has worked because... Look at the Villa inherited to the Villa that, that he's created now. Uh, I think it'll be that. I think it'll be he'll decide the way that he wants his team to play, which I think will continue to be very similar in terms of um, in terms of system and formation. The job now is to plug that system with a better quality of player year on year on year. Um, you know, I don't think that means that he's, he's ta- tactically rigid, that he can't change it. I just think... He, he likes his players well drilled in a certain system and knows that if they follow his instructions, you know, enough of the time and with enough kind of um, efficiency that they'll all win more games than they lose. Um, so I don't think he's suddenly going to change who he is and what Villa are under him. The next question about is about the youngsters. Do we loan out the promising youngsters we've got? If we make new signings in the summer, they're not going to get much game time next season. As we're recording this, we don't actually know whether the boys have gone on to win the FA Youth Cup, so happy days if they didn't, but if they if they happy days if they did, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> happy days if they did. Doesn't matter if they didn't because they're, they're clearly a talented bunch still to get to the final. Um so what happens with those youngsters now? We saw Chuck America getting twenty minutes yesterday, which which is amazing, really, considering he's got a cup final the following day. Um, so are they trusted enough to be around the squad next season or, or will they benefit from a loan somewhere, do we think? I think they'll be, they'll be given pre-season, similar to Jacob Ramsey. I think he was heading out the door up until he had a couple of good games in the Carabao Cup and things. we said, you know what, we're going to keep you around. We're going to keep you around, McGinn and Grealish and Barkley and whatnot. And you can develop that way. And he soon got his chance away at Wolves, was it? And Horahan was dropped and mm. took his chance, didn't they? And he has a little back, so... I think they'll make a decision late on them. Um, Ramsey's 19, though. Chuck Moeek is a 17. Well, like you say, what's his 23 football going to do for you now? They've been there and done it, haven't they? Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think they'll, they'll decide late. I think it has to be the right club. They've enhanced the recruitment department, haven't they? They've got a new loans manager. Yedinak's got a hand in that as well. Yeah. And um, they'll have a look at the, the best available options. Yeah, interesting. So what they do with Louis Barry as well? Because um, he, he's not getting a look in, in, in the first team yet. Will he have another year with the twenty threes, or will he, he head out? I mean, Matt, Matt, Matt watched Jack Grealish at Notts County. Didn't, didn't do him any harm, did it, Matt? I'm just trying to scratch my head, Ash, and think of the players who have emerged through the first team from the academy and actually emerged to play regularly. Mm. Is there anybody who's not? Gone out on loan, and I suppose it's something. Oh, Gabby went on out on loan yonks ago to to Watford and Sheffield Wednesday. Don't think he did particularly well. No. Uh, but Jack obviously went to Notts County. Jacob Ramsey, the example he said was at, at Doncaster. I suppose the ones, the, the only ones who, who didn't were the likes. So I'm not sure whether all Brighton went out on loan before he got into the, the Villa squad, and, and Kieran Clark. I don't think went out on loan when when there was that batch of players coming through. Mm. Um, I think it's important. 
I do. I think it's important for them to to play for a cause and to, you know, almost play for a cause outside of the glare of Villa Park. You know, it's difficult to kind of make an impact on that Premier League scene for a demanding football club like Aston Villa. I'm not saying it's any less less demanding for the fan base of whichever club you join on loan, but I just think it could be the could be the making of, of some of the kids. Um, I'd like, I'd love to see Louis Barry ten minutes, fifteen minutes off the bench for Villa in the Premier League, but I'd also like to see what he's capable of in a kind of top league one, lower championship club um, for a season. Um, really, kind of get, getting that that experience under his belt. But like I said, Ash, I think I think that that seems to be a shrewd strategy from Dean Smith to see how get him immersed in the group around pre-season, see how they react, and then make a judgment call on the back of that. I suppose it's not a one-size-fits-all thing, is it, for players either? Some might benefit from a loan, some might benefit from sticking around and, and playing youth football for another season or so. You've also got the argument of Villa have got world-class facilities, whereas a League One side wouldn't. So I think you're right with a one-size. One size doesn't fit all because Jacob Ramsey, I mean, he could have played every game this season for a club in the championship, but arguably, he, I know his performances haven't been excellent this season, but his development would have benefited more from from his performances at Villa. Same with Chuck Lameca, you know, that, that there's room for these players now, even if a new midfielder's bought, there's room for him to kind of be included. Whereas, you know, Dom Revan, how is he going to get past Courtney Hawes? How is he going to get past Esri Konza? How is he going to get past Tyrone Mings to get that position he needs and then he he went out to Weymouth and uh, saw him against Nuts County and he was l- there laying the boot into the senior pros so you know that, that it depends what what situation you're in you know some your Jacob Ramsey's your Aaron Ramsey's probably gonna have more of a chance that, uh, even in a crowded midfield than and positions that just don't get changed like the, the defence so we'll see so we'll, we'll come back to a few more outgoings later but they've kind of tied into the Tammy Abraham question that we get every single week people asking would we like to see Tammy next season I know now in the season debrief James you mentioned that you know, do we need him so I suppose a little bit more development on that question is does he does he fit into this squad um, Tammy Abraham is he a sign that Villa will go for how much would he cost saw the fans on Sunday chanting his name which was a, was a nice touch and that leads to people going oh come home Tammy and all the rest of it so what what are our thoughts on Tammy we've been asked all season it's the end of season now what do we think he's available isn't he he didn't make the squad against Chelsea again um, I think he tweeted someone showed him a clip of the, of the footage and he said thanks thanks for that and stuff and Villa holds a dear place in his heart I think I think he's represented what we probably want to make that move. I mean, whether Villa want to want to go back on old ground. I mean, he's still still so young, isn't he? He's still got development to do. But I think as as that ship sailed now, I'm not sure. Um, be interested to see when he comes available. Will Villa be tempted to go in? I'm not sure. But a lot, a lot depends on Wesley. Um, I think Smith said that himself. We'll have a look at Wesley. And if he's not deemed ready, he might be shipped out on loan. And an opportunity could arise, but will Tammy play second fiddle to Watkins? I think we'd be happy with that. With I think he wants to come in as a, a num- number one striker. And will he be that at Villa? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I think it'd be a real statement of intent if they mm-hmm. signed him because it would, it would show that Villa are prepared to have real, real, real quality on their bench because we've said before Dean Smith is unlikely to change his shape to accommodate two strikers, certainly on a regular regular basis so that to me listen you need to do more than just sign an expensive striker to sit on your bench but that to me elevates Villa into real kind of top elite Premier League if you can have I mean what's the going right for a Tammy Abraham now we're talking another 30 40 million quid um, yeah, probably. so yeah. if you think that you can 
you know, keep a player of that price tag and that ambition happy. And that's either Tammy or Ollie Watkins because it's one, you know, it's, it's either or. Then it, it is a statement of, of intent, but it just doesn't fit. Just doesn't fit for me for some reason this this summer. I, I think that that Villa. I'm not saying Tammy Abraham's not hungry, but I think Villa will probably want to. I don't. I, I think Villa will sign a striker. I think they'll want better backup than Wesley, and they'll want better backup than Keenan Davies. But I think I think Johan again will go and try and work his magic on the continent to buy somebody who's probably the profile that we of of a Wesley or do you know what I mean? Somebody who is tearing it up in in European leagues, but who's not going to come in with the same level of scrutiny as a Tammy Abraham and who's going to be so so pleased to be in the English Premier League that they will, you know, get by with a dozen cameo appearances from the bench or 20 cameo appearances from the bench. I don't know. I might be wrong. I, I personally would, would if, if we thought that we could find a way of keeping both those strikers happy, I'd welcome Tammy back with open arms because I think listen, he, he scored a lot of goals. He missed a lot of lot of opportunities during the championship promotion season. But I think he's a grafter as well. Maybe not quite to the level of... Um, of Watkins, but I've seen plenty of occasions during that that championship promotion season where he was tracking back and you know almost tracking back to left back and right back and stuff like that. I think he's hungry still. Uh, I don't think he feels that kind of being at Chelsea and getting a little bit of the limelight there makes him the complete the, the real deal. And I actually think he'd come with more even more of a point to prove the fact that he's been kind of sidelined, um, you know, under the new manager. But I don't know. I don't know. Do you think part of that solution is that you can play? Uh, Ollie Watkins from off the right hand side, and you sign a new number nine for thirty forty million, and they play up front, and Watkins plays off them towards the right hand side. Is that an option, or do you not stick fifteen Premier League goals out onto the right wing? It's quite an exciting option, isn't it? Really, yeah. you've got Grealish down the left, Watkins down the right, and Tammy Abraham through the middle. That that to me looks like a a top six strike force, if I'm being honest, and that's what we we, we want to have. Um, so. It's a possibility. It's possible. I think, like James says, probably a little bit harsh on Watkins because he's, he's earned the right to play as a Premier League centre forward. But like we've all said, Watkins is Watkins is of the personality and character that if he's in that team and contributing every week, I'm sure whether he plays wide right or whether he plays down down the centre, he'd just be glad to be involved in, in continuing Villa's development. The follow up question that we had earlier to that then is if we all agree that Villa are going to sign a striker, whether it's a starting one or somebody to add to the squad, what happens to Wesley and Keelan Davis then? I think, like Ash said, learned out. Um, it's going to be a big summer. I know every summer is a big summer for every club, but for Wesley, it seems quite pivotal after coming off that injury, getting a few minutes here and there. He needs to be playing football a lot next season to continue his development because he's still you know, at quite a young age. So I can't see how he would get past Watkins to get that start, you know, let alone Keenan Davis and Keenan, you know, in Wesley's first season, Keenan Davis knocked him out of the team. So massive season um, for Wesley, massive uh, summer for Keenan Davis as well. Um, I think low moves on the cards if we get a striker. Um, but I think one of one of Wesley and Keenan Davis will stick around to be, be third choice striker and more likely Davis than Wesley. So guess we have to wait and see. Any further thoughts from you two on Davis and Wesley? Nah. <laughs> Fair enough. Question on on summer recruitment we had was uh, quantity versus quality for the new signings, and whether it's better to have three players who cost say forty to fifty million each, or 
you know, six or seven players at 15 to 20 million and you bolster the squad a bit further, similar to the, pretty much the first transfer uh, we know back in the Premier League, not that we signed 11 players, but players of a lower value, but more of them, or somewhere like the window we've just seen where we signed four players for a higher price tag. A couple of reports are coming already, haven't they? They've sent scouts to Bordeaux to watch um, Zakani, who's the Algerian, um, similar mould to Trezeguet. David Turnbull in Celtic's been reportedly monitored as well, so... They're, 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 that points at the, the bargain, the, the bargain aspect of it. But interesting to see what they do. I mean, the, the, like I've said, the bolt of the recruitment department. They got Ron McKenzie and now he's head of recruitment. He, he, he's no, he's well known to, to picking the odd gem. He picked up Mares and Kante, so he, he's got a good track record. He signed Son for Spurs as well. So they're doing all they can to to, to be the best at what they can recruitment wise. And I, I can't see him splashing 50, 60, 70 million pound on players. Um, so that's that's not sustainable. Where's in the Seth? We'll give them the cash. That will happen, but I can't see them just blasting the dough for the sake of it. I think they'll be method in the madness. And yeah, I think I think they'll have that sussed out. And I think they've been planning for this this window for a long while now. So I think they'll have it nailed. And it's all proof of being the pudding. Yeah, I think this obviously positions that we we think Villa need to to strengthen the centre forward. Obviously, we need another option there. Um, we've been banging on about wingers all season, and then we we get to the end of the season and look at the stats, and we think, well, you know, some of the some of the the players that that our guys have exceeded the stats of just shows, you know, that perhaps they perhaps they're delivering more than more than we 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 thought. I still probably would introduce another winger in there, um, probably another central midfielder, probably another centre half, um, just to increase that that competition. So that's that's five or six players. You know, are we in a place now where we think Villa do need to spend 100 million plus every summer? Um, it's hard, isn't it? Because it's they've made that big significant step from, well, those two significant steps from getting into the Premier League and then consolidating in the Premier League. Everything now, until you get in that kind of Champions League, um, you know, elite, everything now, you're on about spending massive money just for kind of very small incremental gains. And, you know, we run by sensible businessmen and they'll think, well, yeah, we do want to crack that Champions League, but do we think that this is the summer to crack it? Or do we think that it's kind of, it's slightly kind of evolving each season? If that is the case, like Ash says, where's the sense in in, in spanking 50 million on a player um, when that player might not make the difference between you. You know, you're talking about going from 11th to fourth, aren't you? That's quite a step. So mm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm really, really pleased with the model that they've followed so far in terms of this kind of the, the profile of the players that they're looking for. This, you know, we've heard young and hungry during the, um, during the Lambert era and it backfired a little bit. Um, although to be fair back then, the likes of Matt Lowton and Ashley Westwood did still go on to become Premier League players. But during the Lambert era, and I'm harking back now, during the Lambert era, they ripped that up after a season and went for experienced and yeah. went continental. For you know, I think the good thing about Villa is they found a formula that that works. I don't think they're going to deviate from it from it massively. Um, so it's interesting what Ash says about them, them still kind of looking in the bargain basement, but doing doing it with somebody who's got a really real keen eye 
for, for spotting those spotting those absolute diamonds and turning you know get selling them buying them buying them fairly you know economically if you like but turning them into proper proper valuable assets the perfect follow-up to that then is how far away do you think we are from cracking into that that european elite you said top four there let's just let's bring the expectations down to, to Europa League first and foremost before we start talking about the Champions League at one point when we were out of the Premier League and, and in the Championship and faffing about doing nothing but finishing mid-table Championship I thought we were miles up, away from getting back into Europe like 10-15 years and it might still be that before Villa even get back up there but we've come back up we've finished mid-table now on 55 points if Villa gets 65 next season which isn't impossible. We've dropped a lot of points this season. I know people say, oh, we've gained points when we shouldn't as well, but Villa weren't miles off it this season. If we were slightly less than awful from January to April, we could have done it this season if we'd had Jack in there as well. So I feel like we're not actually that far away from getting into the top six, but if you had to put a number on it in terms of transfers or, or, or millions spent, how far away do we think we are from, from breaking into it? I think it's two years and it's going it's well less than 100 million. Look at the players Villa have picked up and how far they've kicked on. Bit of an off year for people like Douglas Louise, but look at Nakamba, how, how he kicked on. Look at Matty Cash, right, to the team. Matt Target as well. Um, you know, Tyrone Mings, Esri Konza. These are players who are, you know, Mings was pushing the record transfer free, but Esri Konza was, what, 12 million, something? 15 at max. That's nothing. Villa are finding quality and making other teams pay for it. Pretty much like how Brentford are doing to, to Villa every summer um, and how, how Norwich might do it this summer. Um, Villa have got whatever they've done to the recruitment team, you know, Rob McKenzie. We haven't even seen the best of it yet. Um, the best is yet to come. For, for me, they've bridged that gap, haven't they? Um, mm. I made reference to this with the, with the big teams. I mean, I mean, you used to get hammered by Chelsea 8-0, Liverpool 6-0. Yeah. And the gap was quite massive, wasn't it, over the last few years in the Premier League? and the double over after this season, the beat Tottenham comfortably last last week, and the big teams are fearing playing Villa now. Um, so I think they're back up there in terms of that that, that regard. And I think, yeah, like James says, next two years it's going to be a good one, and I, I can see them kicking on big time, big time, and just goes to show that that Super League nonsense was nonsense. I think they look to be challenging your Leicester's and, and whatnot, and be rolled up there again and be that force everyone knows they are. So probably get a bit excited and a bit, bit ahead of myself there, but. I've seen it this season, the way that the way they've turned over the big boys and more more to come, I think. I mean, that, that squad Villa have got, they've got the star man in Grealish, Watkins up front. I mean, they've got loads of players who teams are envying at the moment. So they look mm. to add to that and roll on. I think I think that it all points to a really good positive season next season as well. So who knows? Have you got a dose of pessimism, Matt, to, to equal it out? It's weird, you know, this is, this is probably the scary thing that I always expect the, the rug to be pulled and Villa to, you know, flirt with success and then it to all, all end up in disappointment. I've got a good feeling about this, which probably will make, probably will jinx it, jinx it even more. Just think throughout the, throughout the key, key roles in the football club at the moment, we seem to have people, people who we could trust, you know, we've got a, a manager. Oh, listen, not kind of pro Dean for the sake of being pro Dean, pro Dean for the, for the fact that he's, Delivered on his objectives season on season, but he's a he's a rational, sensible head in a mm. in a mad kind of comedy kind of circus world of the Premier League. Likewise, we've got a, a CEO who, who, whose head is screwed on. You know, seems to want to represent the football club, the, the traditions that he stands for, as well as represent his bosses, the you know owners who, who again have, have come in and not interfered. 
but but have been able to provide support where needed. You know, we've seemed to have, and it's early days, but we seem to have a recruitment department that is that is again fit for purpose and is making good solid recommendations and getting more right than wrong. Um, and we've got some quality quality players. Potentially, you know, we have three three players play for England this season. Um, all of a good age that could, could go on and, and represent the club and the country for, for several years. And, and around them, we're assembling, assembling a good, a good kind of supporting cast, if you like. Um, so, you know, when, when even a kind of battered down old cynic like me is feeling, is feeling excited and confident about the future, that just shows the transformation that the football club's undergone in the space of what we're talking three years now. So, you know, you're not you're not going to get me to do it, Dan. I'm not going to say anything negative. I'm 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 buzzing. I'm buzzing. I just want to be back in there and uh, doing my bit next season if I can. What What do you define as success for next season? I think me and Ash we might have talked about this on a Facebook Live at some point throughout, throughout the previous season. I guess we call it now. Um, what counts as success? Is it anything higher than eleventh? Is it a trophy win? Is it do you have to get into the top six to to say it's successful? Smith was asked that after Chelsea. What success next season? Then he's didn't really want to put a little position on it. You just said progression again, so it's got to be higher than eleventh, hasn't it? That that that's fact. Finish below that, you, you haven't done too well. So I think yeah, just carry on and if we sneak a cup win, that'd be unreal. But yeah, finishing much higher and and kicking on again. I think if you finish finish, I'd finish tenth on fifty six points, uh, <laughs> yeah. and that'd be progress. Providing we win the FA Cup. I've got jealous by seeing Leicester win the FA Cup. I know their season ended with a bit of dis- disappointment yesterday when they missed out on Champions League. I want to see this project grow and grow and grow, and I don't want anything to knock it off track because I think I think um I think the mate Neil Moxley, who works for the for the Mirror, uh he tweeted something about Wolves yesterday, about Wolves getting rid of Nuno, saying that problems can find you in football without you looking them looking for them yourself. So I've just outlined all the good people and the good responsible people we've got in this football club now. And I don't want and I know how I know how demanding and, and how of the moment football is. I don't want anything to blow us off course that says, Oh, let's get rid of Dean Smith, let's get rid of the the, the scouting team, let's get you know I want I want us to try and kind of build consistently and see where that, that takes us. So and I know for that to happen, the only way you're gonna do that um, with any fan base, is to keep moving forward. Um, to me, it doesn't matter what kind of increments you move forward in. You know, like I said, a point and a place would do. Just cause I just want to, I want to stay invested in this project. God, that sounds like a CEO thing. Um, <laughs> it's working. You know, so why, even if you don't jump up to sixth next season, if you make progress, why would you think it's not working? Any kind of progress, fighting for a, a cup final. Uh, can you finish on 57 points and beat Man City? Can you, uh, can you get a striker scoring over 20 goals um, for Villa? Um, can, you know, can you compete for those cups? But realistically, it is about finishing top 10 and fighting for those European positions. It's crowded. Villa have got no right to just go, oh, we spent another 100 million. Let's finish seventh because you know West Ham and Everton have, have, have really picked up. Leicester have you know found their place at the the top of the top of the table now. So Villa haven't got uh, just a right now just to just to take it. They've got to fight for it again next season. They've got to turn up from day one and fight for it. But the progress that we've made shows that we've got the right people, not just back in the club but on the pitch as well. 
to fight and and lead the club forward. So, yeah, any kind of progress has to be has to be a massive positive. And I know we'd all be disappointed <laughs> if that's just one point, but you know, it's it's a, a long way away from where we were. And you know, mm. it, it, the, my mindset is we're only going to seemingly go forward from here, which is you know a really positive thing. There's a couple of Jack Grealish questions coming up, and we can, I'm sure we can bat one away pretty easily. To be fair, there's been a few people that have asked this because of Villa haven't gone to Europe, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure we can all bat it away with one answer first of all. Is Jack Grealish going to leave this summer? Joining Arsenal, then? Well, that's what Arsenal fans think, yeah. There's no chances there. You better bloody not. <laughs> <laughs> I know that rips up the last 10 minutes of podcast about the project, doesn't it, if, uh, if Grealish departs this season? I've just made him my player of the season just as a, as a just to get him to stay. <laughs> Rather than doubling his money again, I thought if I begged, that'd be enough. Uh, the follow-up to that, it's a bit more of a conversation, is <clears throat> going forward, where's his best position? Does he stick in the, in the number 10 role now or does he go back out wide next season, out on the left? Out left, out wide straight away. Do you way. think? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think he's better back as number 10 next season. Yeah. yeah. What do you two think before we get stuck into it? Either way, he'll win because he can do good as a 10 now. He could probably do it, call it as an eight. I know he, he had a, a, a bit of a rough time last season with it um, on his entry to the Premier League. But, you know, any position now, he's found a maturity to succeed there. So, you know, I'm sure him and Dean Smith will have a conversation about going forward wherever he lands, it's going to work. Yeah, I'm relaxed about it. I mean, I used to um, used to blast Bruce for playing him out on the left when I thought they were crying out for him as a, as a 10. And then he's gone and played the bulk of two Premier League seasons. Yeah. As as a left winger, in effect, or an inverted left winger, and absolutely ruled it and owned it. Um, I think he could just pick, just let him pick. To be honest, he's uh, yeah. such a such a gifted footballer. Um, I quite like him now. I quite like him on on that left left flank. To be honest, um, and let's face it, even when he plays on. on on the left, he's not a kind of touchline hugging, hugging mm, winger. Yeah. He's given free roam and free license to um, to move around. Um, yeah, I know that's not really answering it. I don't, I don't mind. I think he's gifted enough to play in in a, any of the forward positions, and I mean any. I think he could play as a centre forward as well because I think he's big enough and strong enough and athletic enough. I don't think he'll come come a place, you know, unless the something rips through body more heath again. I don't think there'll be a time when we do play him as a centre forward, but. Yeah, I think he, I think he can play anywhere and, and and still be the the one of the best best players in the Premier League. Yeah, I think that that conversation probably depends on Villa's summer business as well, doesn't it? As long as Jack Grealish is seeing that team and he's the he's the linchpin to Villa moving forward, he can play wherever. From there, I've picked out a few names that we've been linked with repeatedly throughout the season. There you got is it Burge or is it Berg? from Sheffield United what's the pronunciation I'd have call said call him whatever he wants if he costs as much as he's going to cost <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Burge, not for 40 million though uh, Count Well Buendia Abraham Pereira from Albion and Eduard from Celtic they're the, the six names or so that seem to be doing the rounds uh, just quickly Ash any of those that you'd prefer or um, what's the likelihood of us, us going out and spending 40 odd million on these players I'll get Pereira he jumps out straight away to me I think he's one that can, can be got watching that's where against Al- the Albion he, he stand out again. So I think he scored more than Grealish did in, in, in last season, in his first season. And Villa survived and Albion had gone down, which, which says a lot, really. Pereira doing it for a really struggling Albion side and really like him. He fits the, fits the bill. Young player. Playing a number of positions across the front three as well. So I'd have mm. Pereira any day of the week. It seems to be a position Villa would want to invest in, you know, on the wings and out wide and you not know, playing in the middle. It's like, 
Jack Reese, you just play wherever he wants because he's that good. Um, did it though for a, a really poor Albion team that had that dysfunctional switching philosophy mid season. I think Bilic kind of let him do whatever he wants, whereas you know Big Sam was a bit more regimented in the, in his approach. Worked both ways for him. You look fantastic. You, you know he's a real gifted footballer, and if they can land their hands on him. That'd be perfect for me. It's a stupid classic carrot blue waffle one that we had on 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 Twitter. I think it was last night. Uh, it just made me laugh. So I hope you've got an answer prepared. If the 2020-21 season was a cheese, what type of cheese would it be? I've been giving this some thought. I'm glad you came to me with this rather than the transfer one. Um, <laughs> it's a bit... Do you know the craft cheese singles that you get in the little plastic? Because it kind of... It's done a job. You know, it's filled the gap. But it's been artificial. <laughs> and it's been, it's been like that, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't mind those those cheese cheese singles, but if I had choice between that and some proper cheese, like I don't know, some cheddar or some red Leicester or whatever, I'd go with that. But it's been tasty enough. It's been tasty enough. But it's 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 like I said, it's an artificial replacement for, for something more substantial. Is that fair enough or not? I don't know. It's, it is fair enough, but I like that your your classic like black country man like man down the pub analysis of that is that like proper cheese is red Leicester. <laughs> well, yes, I'm struggling for cheese. Them. I was gonna go. I was gonna go a bit kind of brie and, and camembert, but I'm a man yeah. of the people. Mine would be vegan cheese. It's got a, a cheese as it's called. It's got a cult following. <laughs> a bit of an intense cult following. A bit of a passionate cult following. And it could be, it stinks the house out sometimes, and it could, but it could be the future. Be nice. <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. I feel oh, like you're too, too much of a dignified journalist, Ash, to take part in the conversation. Yeah, so, yeah. My, my, my number 10 down is true. The joke didn't go down last <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to skip your answer. I'm not going to offer one myself either. I'm going to leave that, that nonsense to Matt. Uh, that's all the questions I've noted down from social media. Just before we end, is there a question that you wanted to answer about Aston Villa that you've not had the opportunity to do so? Is there anything you can think of that we've not covered? Or do you just want to wrap up and go? I'll tell you, I'll ask a question, and this is kind of not current Aston Villa, but this is a little nod to our um, the guests that we've had on in the last year or so. If you had, if you could get a dream guest to interview on Claret and Blue with Claret and Blue connections from not from the current setup, from but somewhere in the past, who would it be and why? Like a former a former player or manager to interview. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a tricky question. Um, to be fair, we. We've had a lot of the people that I would have said was a dream guest a couple of years ago. People like Martin Larson was a dream guest, even having Gabby on. I know he's done a lot of media stuff in the last couple of years, but his stories to us were great with, with you, Ash. That was at the start of the first lockdown, wasn't it? It seems like ages ago. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. That's difficult. Melberg, maybe? He's, he's never really done any kind of interviews, and I loved him as a player. He was like the, one of the first kind of heroes I had, so... Yeah, you're not having that. Martin Larson texts me to say uh, he doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible accent. Um, yeah, Paul McGrath. I've never met him. Never seen him yeah. play. Just a bit before my time. Or the other one would be Deadly Doug. I mean, I bet he had some tails. Um, like Doug Ellis. It, it, I mean, yeah, that'd be unreal. Probably charge me for the coffee if I, ever, if I bought one or something. <laughs> but yeah, Doug. But Paul McGrath, God. Um, they spring to mind. Um, sure, who else really? I know I'm going to watch this back and think, oh, why didn't I say so and so? They'd have been a great show. Yeah. You've put me on the spot, and I can only think of Melbourne. I'd have said Gareth Mark. Barry as well. We'd already done him. You've got to go for Martin O'Neill. You've got to get uh, Matt uh, and <laughs> Martin. Duke it out. Imagine. 
Did Have you got one? We'll put something in the comments. You have to put me on as a silhouette. Oh, you know, like, distort the voices. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to do that. Um, I think mine would be David Platt, and I'm working towards uh, to try yeah. and get him on. Um, little boyhood hero of mine. Um, and I think a bit like how Gareth Barry was able to set the record straight a little bit in why he left Villa and some of the, the reasons and how he still cared about Villa. I'd like to have a similar conversation with, with David Platt um, because I think there's the perception of him that he kind of almost airbrushed out his Villa career. I don't think that would be the case. I think he'd be massively grateful for the platform that Villa gave him. Um, so that that would be the one that that I'd like to get. So that, that that's a mission for me in the next couple of months to try and see if we can get Platy on. Sounds good. And I think that's where we'll, we'll end this Q&A. Um, hopefully we've answered the, the questions in the best manner we could. I'm sure there'll be plenty more coming through in the coming weeks as, as things hot up in the transfer market. Uh, thanks, gents, for your time this morning and this season with all your efforts. Uh, it's been a, a good laugh. Our next episode that you'll see is the John Gregory episode, the, the big, massive podcast that I've now edited, and it's two hours, 35 minutes long. So... Uh, <laughs> Chip away at that yourselves over the coming weeks. It's an it's an epic, but there's some great stories in there, including uh, John Gregory having to buy a second fridge because he got so much free Molly yogurt during his time as a coach that he couldn't store it all at home. Um, I don't know whether that's true or not, but he t- he told it as true, so you have to take his word for it. I can't imagine it, but I love the idea of him just having a house like Del Boy's flat full of Molly yogurts. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that's the end of uh, the Current Blue podcast season. Um, we'll be back with some transfer bits throughout the summer, of course. But, um, yeah, happy days. Thanks, everyone, for watching. And we'll, uh, we'll see you again soon in a few weeks. Hope Cheers. Hello, Villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the Villa. Up the Villa.